0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I used to hear my grandparents talk about the changes that they had experienced. As a child, I did not appreciate so much what I was hearing I was thankful for the modern conveniences that I was able to enjoy. They would get out the old pictures, and I look back at days where on both sides of my family, generations of farmers, teams of horses. And at the same time that all that was happening, America was making plans to put men on the moon, Technology was starting to increase, and look where we are today. At the same time, being born in the mid-60s, it was a fearful time in this world. And as far as wars and rumors of wars, things have not changed. It's only gotten worse. When it comes to our liberties, when it comes to the Constitution, the things that govern or are supposed to govern our lives, it's all under attack. This election ought to concern us, but it should not make us fearful. We have nothing to fear. And so tonight I want to take us back 2,000 years to a stormy night on the Sea of Galilee. We've got sailors here, people that have spent lots of time on the water. But imagine with me being on a large lake and because of the topography around the lake, the weather conditions and the topography are such that you can have literally an instant storm. Coming from the east, you have the hot air coming off of the desert across Transjordan. Then you have the milder air coming off of the Mediterranean from the west. And when all that meets in central Israel, the mountains around the Sea of Galilee form a wind tunnel. And so someone in an old craft fishing vessel or other boats that gets out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you don't just pull the motor and hurry to shore. A storm can come over very quickly and because of that wind tunnel, literally you can have swells on the Sea of Galilee that have been reported up to 20 feet. Therefore, if you're in a small craft, those swells, those waves can overwhelm any vessel. And so we find a couple times in Scripture you have experienced fishermen that are out there. Sometimes they've been told to cross by the Lord. And so they're out there, conditions are just right, a storm moves in, and they are caught. On one particular evening, as they're trying to make it to shore, they look out on the water and they see a ghost. I don't know about you, but for me, that would make conditions a lot worse. Something's walking out there. Of course, it was the Lord. He is coming to them, and when Peter sees him, what does Peter do? He says, Lord, bid me to come to you. Now, be careful about criticizing Peter. He is still the only other man on earth besides the Lord Jesus that walked on water. And so the Lord bids him come. He does get out of that vessel and he starts to walk. But it's not just, not like the old Sunday school pictures. He's not walking on smooth water. He's working his way up and down these swells. Keeping his eyes on the Lord for a while. And then the wind, the waves, he does what you and I would have done. He shifts his glance. And immediately, the fisherman has to be fished for. Now, don't miss this. The Lord Jesus, all-powerful, all-knowing, the God of wind and sea, knows right where he went down, and he's there right at the time. He reaches into that water, and he pulls out Peter. And oh, by the way, together they walk to the boat and climb in. So here's a question for you tonight. When it comes to fear, do we really need to fear? I think what we need to be focused on, and the purpose of our study tonight is this. You and I need to know how to grip God. We need to know how to get a hold of God. He doesn't change. He doesn't move. He is all-powerful, and He knows what you and I are going through, but we need to be able to reach up and get hold of God. You and I serve the God, as the choir sang tonight, that they can throw you in a fiery furnace, and that's your escape. Just burn all the ropes off, and you can walk right out. And who's in there with you? The Son of God, so you can just walk around and talk. Or, as those Hebrew children said to the king, we're not going to be careful in this. If the Lord doesn't spare our lives, you know what, we get delivered too. We are the only people on this earth that do recognize and have the foundation of Scripture to know, if somebody kills me, they just delivered me. We can't lose. And we don't need to fear. And so look at your introduction in our notes tonight, and we're going to move through as much of this as we can and get you out at a a good time this evening. Fear is not something that was original to this planet. Adam and Eve walked around in a garden. There was nothing to fear. Nothing to fear, as long as they continue to obey and walk with God. But Genesis 3.8 records that in a perfect setting, both Adam and Eve ran. They ran in fear. Fear is common now to everyone. We know from Scripture, fear is always the direct or indirect result of sin. Fear can send a sinner to hell. Revelation 21 8 says that the fearful and the unbelieving will have their part in the lake, with fir- lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, second death. What, what, who are the fearful? Well, if if you're fearful that sin, you go, no, it's talking about being fearful when you hear the gospel to put your trust in Christ. What's my family going to think? What if this isn't the right way? All that fear that Satan wants to use to get us not to believe on Christ. It can also cause a servant to live a wasted life. Matthew 25, 25 The Lord comes back and takes an accounting of his servants, and you'll remember in that text, he comes to the slothful wicked servant who says to him, I was afraid and went and hid my talent. I buried my talent in the earth. Why? Fear. Unreasonable fear. Since the Bible has the answer to the sin problem, it must also be recognized as the authority on the fear problem. And so we're going to look at an overview of what the scripture says about fear. I hope that you'll take careful notes, that you'll keep these, because in the future, you're going to be able to help someone else. You're going to be able to disciple someone else who is battling fear. If COVID has done anything, it's revealed that our nation and a lot of Christians are fearful people. Yeah. Where we're tempted to withdraw from our responsibilities, we're we're tempted to withdraw from our service to the Lord. Well, because I might get sick. Now again, not everyone who is being careful and having to take extra precautions for the health. I'm not saying that they're living in sinful fear. We do need to be cautious, but they know... You and I know before the Lord where we stand and whether fear is motivating us to stop doing what God's called us to do. Now the words fear not are often repeated in Scripture. Fear can be a helpful thing. We'll see that later. But most often it's not. And that's why the Lord tells us, fear not. These words are repeated by Jesus. Again, Matthew 8, 26. Jesus is in the boat and he says to the men, his disciples, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And that's repeated in those other texts. Here's the lesson we learn from Christ. Recognizing Christ's presence removes fear. Again, recognizing Christ's presence removes fear. You're never alone. It is on purpose. It was meant to be that before Jesus went back to heaven, he said this to his disciples, and lo, I am, say it with me, with you always. Why? His presence, you have nothing to fear. Another lesson, realizing since penalty should result in fear. So if there's anyone listening to my voice tonight, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have something to be fearful of. Matthew 10, verse 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The words of our Lord. Who else repeated the words, fear not? Well, Paul said that to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 7-9. You can look at that text later, but Paul reminds Timothy of this: God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind." What does the word sound mind? It's talking about consistent, steady. Even when we face fearful things, the spirit that God has given to us allows us to stay steady even though fearful things are happening around us. We know from Scripture that probably Timothy was a frail man. No doubt in his frailty, he also succumbed at times to fear, and and we all do. But Paul encouraged him with those wonderful words. Who else said fear not? Well, the Apostle John. 1 John 4.18, perfect love casts out fear because... Fear hath torment. You know what that word for torment is? How many of you ever heard the term phobia? There it is. When I was growing up, I never remembered hearing these two words together. Panic, attack. People probably had them. I probably caused some people to have them. Well, I don't know, but... But the older I get, the more somebody has a panic attack. What is that? That is a phobia. Something happens and it completely overwhelms them and takes control. And by by the way, they're real. I've watched it. But perfect love casts out that fear that has torment. He that feareth is not made or has not been made perfect in love. If you love the Lord closely, you know him personally, you have walked with him when fearful things come, your love for him and dependence on him cancels out, pushes out the ability for fear to be able to overtake your life. So what's the lesson? I skipped over. Let me go back to number two. The lesson, Paul to Timothy, is this. This God-given spirit will enable us to suffer for the gospel, verse 8, and serve according to God's purpose. We have the spirit of a sound mind, love, and power, okay? So we can suffer for the gospel, serve according to his purpose, and not be influenced by fear. And then, again, the lesson, what John was saying. Mature love from a Spirit-controlled life. And Let's just pause for a moment to consider the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what's the next one? Peace. Peace and fear don't coexist. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It removes fear and it's punishing torment. It's punishing Torment And fear can torment. We all know what an ulcer is, right? What causes an ulcer? Fear tormenting me, affecting me physically. High blood pressure and so on. Those gripped by fear are proving that they have not matured spiritually. Fear and love cannot coexist in a Christian's heart. And we'll say more about that a little bit later. So the words fear not repeated in Scripture. Over and over by the Holy Spirit through these writers and the Lord Himself. Now, despite the command to fear not, many do fear. And here's how you see their fear. Here's how it evidences itself. First of all, by running. By running. Genesis 3 tells us that Adam and Eve hid. What's amazing is at this point, they had just eaten of the tree. Nothing really had changed. The curse had not come on the earth yet. And they are hiding. What are they hiding from? Again, at this point, nothing is out trying to eat them. At this point, they're the only two people on the planet. Something had changed here. And because of this fear brought on by sin, they run and hide. Abraham lied. Genesis 12, uh, uh, 12, and those verses, remember, he lied about his wife. Now, when we get to Egypt, you tell him, You're my sister. Why? He was afraid. They're going to want you, they're going to kill me. Jacob manipulated. Remember when he's facing his brother Esau? Esau's coming. Family reunion. Problem is, he's bringing an army. What do you do with that? Well, here's what any man would do. You send everybody ahead so if he starts killing them, you can get away. What a man. You'll remember that Jacob, used to manipulating and having to run and hide, he has an all-night session with God. God wins. And this surplanner becomes a prince with God. And you begin to see as his relationship with the Lord improves and increases, Jacob becomes less and less of a fearful man. Today many run to mental institutions. Some run from life itself. Suicide. Always the wrong choice. The problem with running is that a person always takes the problem with them, and often they make the problem worse. Don't run from the fear. You need to grab hold of God, find out why the fear is there, surrender to the Lord and watch what He can do with the fear. So some run, others move. Fear will cause an individual to move from job to job, city to city. Relationship to relationship. Help only comes when a person faces the problem biblically. But some will move. Others will neglect responsibility, and these, of course, can all run together. Fear of failure, of foes, the future can cause people to neglect their physical self, neglect their families, responsibilities, and sadly, their obedience to the Lord. By the way, we should understand the difference between depression and discouragement. Both fear is a factor. Do you know what the difference is between depression and discouragement? Here's the key word. It's immobility. You and I can be discouraged and we can keep going. But when it comes to depression, people shut down. And they stop their responsibilities many times. And so, although we're commanded to fear not, we do need to understand, not all fear is wrong. You and I need to identify in our lives when the fear we're facing is legitimate and when it is not. God gave us our emotional capacities, including fear. And He's allowed us to have a right use of fear Of those capacities to be able to identify what fear is legitimate and what fear is not. So, what what are some good fears? All right, well, first of all, a healthy respect for danger. A healthy respect for danger. Would you agree with me that we live in a dangerous world? Okay, we do. We lock our doors, we have security systems in our houses. We have insurance, okay, and so on and so on. Why? There's real danger out there. What are some of those dangers? Number one, beasts and enemies. Job is a wonderful book, and you young people, uh, I would encourage you to read Job, okay? Because it's the one place, or one of the places in the Bible, the main place in the Bible, it talks about dinosaurs. Leviathan is there. But in the writings in Job, guess what? You're warned about, don't grab hold of Leviathan. You need to be fearful. If he comes to visit your garden, go go someplace else, all right? I can't imagine being on earth at that time with those critters running around. You need to be careful. If I look in my backyard and some of our nice Virginia snakes are slithering back there, I need to be very cautious. How about fear of enemies? Psalm 64.1. It's interesting, David wrote, Preserve my life from, this is interesting, not my enemies. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. So, there are enemies. We need to be very cautious with enemies. Praise God for those of you that are serving in the military and law enforcement. Why is your job so important? Because there are enemies. But David, a man after God's own heart, recognized, Lord, I need you to deliver me from the fear of enemies as well as the enemy. Here's another legitimate fear. Protection from real, everyday threats. Where I grew up in northern Illinois, out in those countries, or out in those, those, those uh, country miles, you would have lots of railroad crossings. And not every railroad crossing had lights that did this. And it's as flat as a pancake up there. The only hill is probably the local dump or the landfill. And uh, but but as you're driving through the country at night, you can see this light just kind of dancing on the horizon. You know what that is? That's a train. And if that light is going this way and you're going this way, you need to really be cautious. And every year there are people out there that think, I'm going to beat that train. Well, you know what? They should be fearful. What are some other real threats? Heights. Some of you wives are going, yeah, yeah. And you're doing this to your husband. On that ladder out there, you know, and just need to be careful about heights. How about germs? Should we take that seriously? I think we should. Germs can be deadly. So those are real, everyday threats. So as a precaution, fear is not sin. But as a preoccupation, it is. I might get hurt. Something might happen to me. What if? And the problem is nothing is to control us but the Spirit of God. Fear can control. So we're to walk in the Spirit, Ephesians 5, so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with, be controlled by the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians six twelve, Paul warns us, there are things that are lawful, but I won't be brought under the power of any. You need to take personal inventory and see if there are some fears that have gripped you about whatever and are keeping you, preventing you from doing the will of God. Controlling fear is a lack of trust in God. Romans 14.23 tells us, Whatsoever is not a faith is what? Sin. And sometimes our lack of trust in God because we're fearful of what can happen, you know what, that that's just sin. I need to be willing to obey God. Young people, God may tug at your heart and say, I want you to serve here or I want you to serve over here. And fear can keep you from following the will of God. You know, we we talk about this with missionaries. Everybody's afraid of the mud hut. Snakes, you know, sleeping at night and critters crawling, so on. No, no. If, If God has called you to do that, you have an army protecting you and the Lord himself. And you are in more danger being any place else out of the will of God than if you're in one of those places in the will of God. And so that brings us to this tonight. When fear is not wrong. Primarily, it's not wrong when we have a healthy respect for God. Notice in your outline, fear the Lord is is given to us 160 times in the Bible. And it refers to an awesome respect for the Lord. Fear the Lord. In fact, you know that we're commanded to only fear the Lord. Now again, we need to be cautious, railroad crossings, and so on. Okay. But we're to only fear the Lord. We're to have a, such a high reverence for Him that we fear to do anything that He doesn't want us to do and we're willing to turn away from fears that prevent us from only fearing Him. Now what does the scripture tell us about this kind of fear, fearing the Lord? Take your Bible and let's go to Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1, would you notice verse 7? Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Everything you and I need to know, the motivation behind that needs to be fearing, reverencing the Lord, holding him in such high esteem that we fear to do anything to offend him and disobey him. And if I fear the Lord that way, you know what, that's the beginning of knowledge. So in a service like this, I'll be sitting up, young person, and I'll be listening Adults will be listening. When your parents try to have family altar, you're going to be listening. Why? Because I so reverence the Lord, I don't want to do anything to disappoint Him or hurt Him or go against what He said. And so based on that motivation, I'm going to glean all I can from His Word because I want to know what He thinks so I can do it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge But Solomon goes on, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What is this implying within the text? Here's what it's implying. Fools don't fear the Lord. In fact, we go on in Proverbs, they don't fear anything. They're consumed with themselves. And they go on and are punished. Go to Proverbs 9. Just go over a few chapters. Notice verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Everything that represents holiness, knowing God, knowing His law, knowing what He says is right, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowing the holy, that's where understanding is. And so if we only fear Him when other influences come in, and we're going to see these influences later, when when people pressure us, when sinners entice us, we won't consent. Why? We fear the Lord. We don't fear them. We fear what will happen if I listen to them because of who God is. And of course... We get to Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, and and the preacher in Ecclesiastes who has discovered that there are a lot of things that are empty about life. When I pursue my pleasures and and my dreams and my goals, and and I do not pursue those with God's glory in mind, when I do that, I find life to be empty and meaningless and so he concludes ecclesiastes let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter what is it fear god keep his commandments this is the whole duty of man and if you look at that text it's the whole of man why did god create us and put us on this earth to fear him to obey him for his glory Now it's crucial that both lost and saved individuals greatly reverence the Lord and His Word. And we're going to close tonight by looking at two passages. Would you turn to Deuteronomy 32? Deuteronomy 32. And I hope you'll write down these texts. I want you to compare them, and I think this will be a a great help to you. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39. Here's what it says. See now that I, even I, am He, this is the Lord, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. All right, that's our God. Now we know from the rest of Scripture that He is a loving, benevolent Father. He loves His church. He loves His people. He wants to bless us. But ultimately, He is the life giver, and He can do with our lives whatever He desires. We need to fear Him. We need to fear Him. But in Psalm 14, 1, and it's repeated again a second time in the Psalms, but here's what the scripture says. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. So you and I really have a choice. We can take God at his word and what he says in Deuteronomy, I am he. (laughs) I don't have any other God with me. I'm it. I'm him. I control life. I control all things. Fear me. Fear me. But then there are the foolish who say in their hearts, there's no God. Now, you and I understand that every man who walks on this planet, man is born under trouble. Just like if you start a fire, the sparks go one direction. They fly upward. Somebody can boast and say, well, I don't fear anything. There's no God. When trouble comes, they're going to change their tune. You watch. You watch. Only those who have lived a life of fearing the Lord, not a phobia. Well, if I mess up, he'll smack me. That's, That's not the God of the Bible. You need to learn God from the Bible. But we fear Him. We reverence Him. He is worthy of that. He's worthy of our worship. And when I serve Him, fearing Him only, so that I can't be swayed by any other fear to pull back from pleasing Him. If you live that kind of life, trust me, hard things are going to happen to you and those around you. And if you've been walking with the Lord and reverencing Him, you're going to pre- be prepared for those times. If you're a fool, say, "Well, I believe in God." Yeah, but you can live like there's no God. And if you don't fear Him with your life, when those hard time comes, hard times come, you're not going to be ready. And because of fear, you're going to fold. So my encouragement. To you tonight, we live on a fearful earth, and a lot of things can happen and go wrong, but we need not fear. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, just His name, and the righteous can run therein and be safe. So, who are you going to fear? And may God help each of us to learn tonight to grip God. There are going to be times when we get busy or when we're distracted by waves and storms and so on and we, we look away. Well, be assured God's going to be there to grab hold of you. You need to know how to grab hold of Him. So let's give Him our hearts. Let's keep our eyes on him and let's only fear the Lord. Father, thank you for your word, the the comfort, the help that it gives us when we live in fearful times. And Lord, my request for your church here at Good News is that we would learn to fear the Lord. And Lord, would you help us to be able to identify those fears that can creep into our hearts because of this flesh that would cause us to withdraw, to doubt you, to disobey you? Uh, Lord, if we're not careful, our fears can cause fear in other believers and hurt their growth, hurt their obedience. So give us a clear understanding of fear and help us to only fear the Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your protection of us. And Lord, thank you that we can look to the days ahead with complete confidence because you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, would you please bless this church family? And Lord, continue to use us. Give us holy boldness for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-757.